0: الله اكبر الله لا اله الا الله, أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن محمد رسول الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله (تصفيق) هيا على صلاة hayya ala fala hayya ala fala hayya ala Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi Alhamdulillah الحمد لله وكفى وسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد فقال تبارك وتعالى ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين من صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا وحبيبنا ومولانا محمد عبد الله ورسوله respected elders Brothers in Islam, I suppose it's in the mind of every believer today what is happening in Palestine. And that is the sign of our Iman. You may have heard a talk on Palestine in Gaza in particular and Jerusalem last week. You may have heard it the previous week. It's day number twenty. Day number twenty of the attack or the assault on the civilian population of Gaza and parts of the West Bank and the desecration of Al-Aqsa has only intensified in the last few weeks. Now, this is a sign of our iman, that we're feeling the pain. And really, if we're not feeling that pain, then there's a question mark on the level of our iman. As a believer, we know that we are one brotherhood. We have heard this ayah over and over in the last few decades from this member, the explanation of this ayah. Nothing changes. The Quran never changes. It will remain as is ila yawmi al-qiyamah. This is one ummah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is emphatic about it. Innamal mu'minun ikhwa, The believers are one brotherhood. Rasulullah sallallahu ta'ala alayhi wa sallam said, al Mu'minuna o al muslimun karajulin wahid. إِنْ إِشْتَكَ عَيْنُهُ Kulluhu, كُلُّهُ وَإِنْ إِشْتَكَ رَأْسُهُ كُلُّهُ أو كَمَا قَالَ The believers are like one body. The Entire Muslim ummah is likened to one body. If the eye is in distress in the body, the whole body is in distress. If the head is in distress, the whole body is in distress. So right now we are in distress. We can't rest till we don't see the dhulam that is taking place that how we can turn the tides. But we have to go back in history. We have to understand that there is no place for despondency. Many people are despondent, especially our youth. They're highly despondent. No, no, what is happening? It's qiyamah near. It's what's happening to the world? Are we heading for World War Three? We are at war from the time Nabi Karim Wasallam proclaimed the iman. We are at war from that time. The moment He proclaimed Iman in Allah and His risala from that time the onslaught against Iman and Islam started. It hasn't abated, and it will continue till the day of Qiyamah. This is the system of Allah subhanahu ta'ala, wa ta'ala. alladhi arsala huda That it is He, Allah, who has sent His Rasul with the true deen, with the deen of haqq and no matter how much, بِالْهُدَى وَدِينِ الْحَقْلِ يُظْهِرَهُ عَلَى الدِّينِ الْكُلِّهِ So that this deen of Islam transcends all other philosophies, isms, religions, ways of life. This Islam becomes dominant on earth. وَلَوْ الْكَافِرُونَ وَلَوْ al الْمُشْرِكُونَ As much as the the mushrikeen, the kafirin, they hate deen of islam They hate it with a passion. But they will never ever be able to obliterate it ever till the day of Qiyamah. Nabi Sallallahu said, لا يزال على Ummati Taifa. That there will always be a group of people on this earth, إِلى اخِرِ Hadith, That you will not be able to oppose them if you go against them. There'll always be a group in this Ummah, Ummati Muhammadiyah. If you try to oppose them, you will not be able to oppose them. Hatta You'll never be able to vanquish them. Where are they, Sahabas? Where are these people in and around Jerusalem? In and around there. we have seen such valor, we have seen such courage that it gives us courage to see what is happening today with social media. It has its benefits and its cons. But Alhamdulillah, one benefit is that news is instantaneous and we are getting information directly from Gaza itself. And Gaza, if we go to see why is it so significant? Some historians say it's the fourth most ancient city in the world, Gazza. Now if we look at Gaza today, it is the largest open air prison. We often hear that. The largest of and it is the largest open air prison in the world. It is surrounded totally by the Israelis, totally by the Zionists, rather we use the word Zionists, totally surrounded by them, whether it's from the air, whether it's from the Mediterranean Sea, or it's from, from occupied Palestine, is from that area. It has two borders with occupied Palestine, and it has one border in the south with Egypt, the Rafah border, but that border also is closed. Now let's look at, why we are in this situation? Let's look historically. Why the last known Muslim leader was the Ottoman leader, who was the generally recognized, accepted Khalifa of the Muslims, based in Turkey, in Istanbul, the Ottoman Caliphate. And we know exactly how well the Ottoman Caliphate ruled for over five centuries. They ruled the Muslim world: Mecca, Medina, Jerusalem. All this fell and sham, all this fell under the Uthmani Khilafat. It was one of the biggest Khilafats or biggest uh, sovereignties in the world at that time. And perhaps till the day of Qiyam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had the entire control, left the control of the Haramaini sharifain in and all the Muslim lands under the Uthmani Khilafat. And we know the enemies of Islam, this is the modus of always, divide and rule. And they plotted, and they planned, and they went to the Arabs, Arab leaders, the Arab viceroys, the Arab vicegerents of the Turkish Osmani Khilafat, based in Istanbul. And they tried to make them revolt against the Khilafat. That you people are Arabs, and you go... Turkish people ruling over you, how can that be possible? And we know many of us are aware of the history of Lawrence of Arabia and how he connived. And finally there was a revolt by Sharif Hussein, the governor of Hijaz against the Osmani Khilafat. And this is the tragedy of the ummah, that they use us to divide us. And finally the whole plot was the disintegration of the Khilafat. Today we have no Khalifa. For a hundred years, how many of us are aware of our history, recent history, leave alone past history? That is a hundred years, 1923, when the Khilafat came down. In 1924, it was officially abolished totally in 1924. So a hundred years, or 99 years have passed since the abolishment of the Khilafah. And the Muslim Ummah doesn't have the hand of a Khalifa. To protect it, the hand of a Khalifa, to stand up for it, and they plotted and they planned, and the Khilafah was brought down from, from This is a long history about the young Turks, but they brought the Khilafah down. This was the plan, that when you break the Khilafah down, you will break the Ummah down. So the disunity of the Ummah, commenced. And there was nobody to stand for the Muslim Ummah. Then came the weakened Turkey that was there, the sick man of Europe. It became the sick man of Europe. And in 1917 the British walked into Palestine. They took Palestine in 1917. So for over a century, Aqsa, Jerusalem, Palestine is out of our control, it's occupied not from 67, not from 48, it's occupied before that from 1917, it's occupied by the British. And the sad history of Aqsa, of Jerusalem itself, Palestine, that in 1948, when the British couldn't govern it as a mandate, British mandate, and in 1948, when the Zionists formed the the illegitimate apartheid state of Israel, which was recognized by the UN and all the world powers, despite some Arab protests and walkout, it went ahead and the rest is history. East Jerusalem was still under Jordanian control and Gaza was under Egyptian control. And came 1967, Gaza was lost to Israel and East Jerusalem was also lost to Israel. So we're under occupation. Majid al-Aqsa is under occupation currently. And that's the cherry on the top that they want These are all excuses. The cherry on the top is al-Aqsa al-Mubarak. And how significant al-Aqsa al-Mubarak is to the heart of every believer. We very often hear the third haram is not the third haram. There are only two harams. Haramain is sharifain. So if anybody went on a three haram tour, came your refund. So there is no... There is no three harams. There are no three harams in Islam. This is haramayn al sharifayn mukarramah madinah munawwarah Al-Aqsa is the third most holiest site in Islam. The entire Aqsa. Al-Aqsa is not the masjid or the building with a golden. It's not the building with the black or green dome. It's not the Marwani Masjid underground, Al-Aqsa is the entire compound of Aqsa, 144,000 square meters in total. That entire piece of land is Muqaddis Mubarak, 144,000 square meters. Anywhere a person reads salah, on that entire 144,000 square meters, persons will get the thawab as mentioned in the hadith, which will be amplified 500 times. If a person reads Salah in Majid al-Haram in Mecca al-Mukarramah, that Salah, inshallah, he will get the reward of a hundred thousand Salah. How fortunate are the people of ahl Makkah that all the Salah, those who live around the Haram, that all the Salah is in Majid al-Haram. Those who read Salah in Majid al-Nabawi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the Thawab is multiplied a thousand times. And in Al-Aqsa al-Mubarak, it is multiplied five hundred times. One of the things we South Africans have to do is that repeatedly go to Aqsa. While we still can go, alhamdulillah, so that we can still have some freedom of movement to go there, we need to continue go instead of going to Dubai and all other capitals of the world to waste our money. we rather go to al-Aqsa al-Mubarak, at least for every salah, you will get the thawad of 500 salah, inshallah. So let's go back. This was the land of Sulaiman alayhis salaam. And after Sulaiman alayhis Salam built the masjid there, in al-Aqsa al-Mubarak, Then we know what happened, that his kingdom was split into two, the north and the south. Let's fast forward a little bit, and we come to the year when Nabi ﷺ was in the trenches, the battle of the trench, when he was digging himself, when he was striking the rocks himself, Muhammad Rasulullah ﷺ, with two stones tied on his belly, striking the rocks. The sahaba were thirsty, they were hungry, they were they were in a state of fatigue. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam gave him the glad tidings as he struck the rocks that I see the Roman Empire falling. I see the Persian Empire falling, and shortly after Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's demise, we see that in the time of in the Khilafat of Sayyidina Umar Ibn Al Khattab Radiyallahu Taala an, in the year 638. Remember these dates. The year 638 wasn't even 12 years after the demise of Rasulullah wasallam that Al-Aqsa, Al-A'u, Jerusalem, it fell on the Muslim hands. And he fell peacefully. It was surrendered by the Christians, they had surrendered it. And there was only one demand that the keys will only be given to Amir al-Mu'minin himself. Sayyidina Umar radiallahu anh, never left Medina Munawwarah Once he became Amir al Mu'minin, he never ever left because of the importance of the head of state being in his city and in his place of governance. But for this purpose and the importance of Al-Aqsa al-Mubarak, we know the story that Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu, without an entourage, without a blue brigade, just simply with one person accompanying him, one servant accompanying him, on a meal, Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab goes to receive the keys of Jerusalem. He was perhaps the greatest leader on earth at that time, with the Roman Empire having fallen, with the Persian Empire having fallen. And when he goes there, it is said that he had between 14 and 17 patches on his clothes. And the day when it was for him to ride as a victor and a conqueror and a fatih when he rode into Jerusalem to receive the keys, it was the turn of the servant to ride the animal and the conveyance. And Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala was walking alongside Those were our leaders. These are our heroes. So Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab took the keys in the year 638 peacefully. And it remained in Muslim hands. Right through, it remained in Muslim hands. Right up to the year 1099. When the crusaders, when they took, the Christians took in a most barbaric manner, as savages, they took Aqsa again from the Muslims. So for so many centuries, from the time of, Liberation by Sayyidina Umar of khattab in 638, right to the year 1099, it remained in our hands, and then it re- and then 1099, for the next 88 years, it remained under Christian Crusader control. 88 years. So, if we are feeling despondent about what is happening in Gaza or Jerusalem right now, remember that's not. It's not even 88 years in Jerusalem that is occupied by the Zionists. He's not even 88 years. So we need to have sabar. We need to have patience. Everything happens in due course. The victory will come in due course as well. So let's forward. There was a young man by the name of Salahuddin al-Ayubi, rahimahullah. And from a young age, with the correct tarbiyah, this young man studied deen in Damascus. And with the correct tarbiyah, he wasn't even an Arab. He was a Kurdi. He was born in Tirkit, in Iraq. A Kurdi by, by nationality. And this young boy was inspired by a pious ustad in the madrasah. And the ustad explained about the occupation of Al-Aqsa al-Mubarak, Jerusalem. And the ustad made a challenge to little children, that who will liberate Al-Aqsa. This young boy, they say he was 10 years old. And he got up and he says, Ya Ustaz, I will liberate Al-Aqsa. To any person, it may seem like a dream, a pie in the sky. That this young boy, how is he going to liberate al-Aqsa? This young man was driven. He had motivation. And this is a lesson for our young our young boys and our youth. That this young boy had such motivation, such courage, such zeal, such an endeavor that he took on. And he programmed himself. And they see he never used to laugh or smile even as a child. He had a mission ahead of him. Even food lost its taste for him. Salahuddin al-Ayyubi, rahmatullahi alayhi, rahmatul wasi'ah. He's buried in Syria, by the way. So, he goes on, he joins the army, he climbs the ranks, and he was inspired by Nuruddin Zangi, who was the highest Muslim ruler or king at that time. He was inspired by him as well for his justice. And as he climbs the ranks and, and he starts leading the forces, and his mo- his entire mission was the liberation of Aqsa. He had also built a minbar, a wooden minbar as a motivation for himself that when I enter Al-Aqsa Al-Mubarak, I will place my limber in the masjid. So the minbar is to travel with Salahuddin Al-Ayubi, not the army is to travel. And alhamdulillah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala on his blessed hands gave us once more again victory. And in the year 1187, alhamdulillah, Jerusalem and Al-Aqsa Al-Mubarak came back into Muslim hands. So the year 118, sir. we go to the passage of time, and it's the year 1917, when the Ottoman Khilafat had weakened so badly, and they were so much in debt, and they were not a force to be reckoned with anymore, because of the internal strife against the Khilafat. And this is the tragedy of the Muslim Ummah, the destruction of the Khilafat. We haven't understood the importance of the Khilafat. And in 1917, the British walk in, and they occupy it. And the rest is recent history. In '48, Israel was formed by the UN and recognized. And then in the year 1967, Al-Aqsa was officially occupied by the Israelis. And as we said today, we are under occupation. And in our lifetime, will we see the freeing of this occupation? Will we we be removed from the yoke of this occupation, which is an oppression? Which is an oppression. Al-Aqsa belongs to us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he wanted to take, then let, let us see how significant, we you know all the significance of Al-Aqsa al-Mubarak, like which I mentioned one aspect only earlier. But if we think about it deeply, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to take Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa on Mi'raj, could he not have taken him from Makkah or Street? Yes or no? He could have taken him from Masjid al-Haram Street to the heavens. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first transported Rasulullah ﷺ from Makkah al-Mukarramah to Baytul maqdis to Jerusalem first, to Al-Aqsa first. There's a very big significance in this. That the control and the custodianship among many other things, the custodianship of Al-Aqsa has passed on from the Banu Israel to the Banu Ismail. It has officially passed on now. The Banu Ismail, they are the custodians of Al-Aqsa al-Mubarak. They have got the, the legacy of the Anbiya alayhimu salatu wassalam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala transported him miraculously. This is our iman and our belief physically. Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was taken to Al-Aqsa al-Mubarak. He was Imam al-Anbiya wal Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala demonstrated to the Muslim ummah and to all his prophets and messengers the stature and the maqam of Sayyidina Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa where he leads all the Anbiya alayhi salatu wassalam and all the Rusul in salah in Al-Aqsa Al-Mubarak. So Imam al-Anbiya, wal will from there he's taken up to the heavens. How significant is Al-Aqsa Al-Mubarak in, in our hearts and in our lives? When Nabi Wasallam went to Medina Munawwara for the first 16 or 17 months, they faced Al-Aqsa. The people was Al-Aqsa. And then when the command was given that you move away from Al-Aqsa, then they moved towards Masjid Al-Haram. So it was the first qibla of the Muslims as well. So this is the significance. Now coming back to despondency which you mentioned, mentioned, there is no place for despondency. A mu'min is never despondent. Whether we believe what happened on the 7th of October 20 days ago, whether we believe it was a false flag, whether we debunk the theory, it's a false flag, and really it was an operation by Hamas, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. He'll be sitting here in the southern tip of Africa. We don't have very really much knowledge of what is that is the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What we do know, that everything is in the control of Allah. Everything is in the control of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's malikul void. He can do as he wants, as he pleases. When we know another thing, وَكَانَ حقًا عَلَيْنَا نَصُرُ الْمُؤْمِنِ that the help of Allah is near. It is near, but we have to be patient. All those people, those seven, seven thousand is only an official figure. We do not have actual knowledge of who lies under the rubble of the thousands of buildings that have been bombed. Twelve thousand bombs have been dropped in the last twenty days on Gaza. Twelve thousand. Equivalent, they say, to what was dropped on Hiroshima. 12,000 bombs. We have seen graphics. We have seen pictures of people dying. Body parts. We have seen all that. Every person has access to that today. But the lesson for us is that, and I will end off with this here, Monana Sheikh Mahmudul Hind, Mahmudul Hassan, Rahimahullah, that great leader of the Muslim Ummah, who the British captured, again, by conniving of the munafiqeen of the ummah. And they captured him and they threw him into Malta, in an island Malta. And he was of advanced age. And they kept him there for about three or four years in exile. And there was a student of his whose name we hear often, Mulana Hussein Ahmed Madani Rahimahullah. His student decided to go with his ustad into prison voluntarily to meet the khidmat of his ustad. He was tortured by the British, they tried to poison him. They tried to kill him. They put snakes for him. But Allah was to protect somebody, nobody can harm you. If Allah wants to give you protection, you've got immunity from harm, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Finally on his release in 1920, he was released by the British after post-World War One. And when he was released, he was now almost 70 years of age. And at that advanced age, he made a determined effort. And he perhaps he was one of the greatest ulama of the time. At that time, Sheikh Al-Hindi, he says, I have identified two reasons for the destruction of the Khilafat, for the fall of the Muslims, two reasons. And those same two reasons are as valid as they were in 1920, as they are valid in 2020. He says, what are those two reasons? He says, the first one, abandonment of the Holy Qur'an. Abandoning the Holy Qur'an. And the sunnah of Rasulullah ﷺ, which obviously follows. And the second thing, the disunity though. And if we really introspect, those reasons are as valid today as they were valid 103 years ago. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give us tawfiq, give us hidayat, bring us back into the Qur'an Sharif, the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, give us understanding. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, emancipate al-Masjid al-Aqsa, al-Mubarak, Gaza, and not only Palestine. We mustn't forget that it's not only Palestine and occupation, all the Muslim lands across the globe. Those that are in occupation, those that are Muslim, we make dua for all of them. We are all part of one ummah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us wa